This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There's a lot of questions flying around about Arsenal at the moment and we're going to try and tackle all of them as I'm joined by a very special guest. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Let's Talk Arsenal show uh, on the channel. The show in which I'm joined by a variety of weird and wonderful guests to talk about our beloved club. And uh, this week, it's not so weird and wonderful. It's more just excellent, dedicated content uh, of quite high quality and certainly fantastic work and analytics going into things as well. From the different knock, it's Alex. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Very well, sir. Thank you so much for the invitation. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. It kind of stemmed from where everybody meets online uh, these days, which is by arguing. Um, so uh, it's it's good to have you on the show and, and have a discussion. I have to say that our mutual friend Clive uh, from the Arsenal Vision oh, podcast, nice. he saw our debate and obviously got a little bit involved in it as well. Yeah. And he texted me saying, you've got to get this guy on the show, mate. He's, he's brilliant. So you've got That's a lot of plaudits from Clive coming in. The chat books will know at this point, he basically dictates this entire show at this stage. So yeah, um, he is, he is what the kids say, the goat uh, of uh, of Mm. Arsenal content. Yeah. I will say it was one of the best arguments I've ever had on the internet. So yeah, we can both pat ourselves on the back. (laughs) Basically, we basically wrote dissertations back to one another. Um, I think it's probably the best way to sum things up just for the benefit of the listeners who who may not be aware of of who you are. To be fair, I should say that you are one of the most highly requested guests i've had uh for the show um there's a lot of fans of yours in in the chat box but for those that aren't aware of your channel just give yourself uh, a little bit of background about what it is that you're creating yeah so different knock uh comes from a very niche raul sanyehi quote which uh do you remember that the the, in that Mm. video he did about i think it was about ramsey when Arsenal looks at other players, some of like that. Yeah. Um, and that we, were, <laughs> yeah. we were making a podcast at the time. We thought that's quite good. And it's, you know, he's gone and it's kind of stuck. So um, yeah, just uh, just sort of video essays on Arsenal, really. Um, just anything that sort of comes to mind. Uh, trying to, you know, just sort of uh, yeah, put, put my ideas out there. And it's, it's, it's gone really well. And people are really 
generally really nice so it's great <laughs> yeah no i i like yourself and babs i look at as kind of two fantastic like content creators in terms of like, the edited content that that's out there um that's really engaging short snappy content that's also educational in its, its same way so yeah i was uh in prep for i'd seen some of your shows before but obviously but in prep of, of this show i was watching back on some of the episodes that you've done recently and just like the the production quality is excellent and appreciate that man yeah you know, as any podcaster or you know show creator can appreciate, it's audio quality editing is always the geeky things we you know geek over. So I certainly appreciate that. But yes, uh, our debate spawned from one of the question marks uh, surrounding Arsenal and Mikel Arteta at the moment, which is obviously on on the youth side of things and the opportunities being given to youth players uh, right now. And I think that's one of a number of things that I'd hope to tackle in today's show. But we should probably start with the headline act, which is which is how. Uh, our interaction came to be. And it's, it's for me, a really interesting topic because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around it. Um, but I think there is some genuine um, criticisms to be had towards mm. the club. So where do you kind of sit right now with Arteta in particular and, and perhaps the viewpoint that he doesn't give youth a chance being mm. the often accusation he's, mm. he's sent toward? Yeah, well, firstly, I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to, to properly chat it over because I think what happens on online is it's like there's whatever you think of the guy. I think this is I think this is a brilliant way of putting it. Ricky Gervais has this whole thing about mm. online. It can feel like you go out into sort of a, a, a village, a, a village square and you pick up a, something that says guitar lessons and you go, I don't want guitar lessons. Yeah. And yeah, it's this no, br like, brilliant yeah, exactly. <laughs> sort of a definition of online conversation and, and things obviously get reduced and context reviewed and all sort of stuff. So it's great to just chat through this. So yeah, Arteta doesn't give youth a chance is, is, a, is a fascinating one to break down. So I, I want to preface all of this with if a manager is winning games, mm. that is all that matters. Genuinely, mm. everything else is 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 secondary, tertiary, whatever the fourth one is. I'm not clever enough. Quaternary, but, I think. <laughs> hey, oh, I learned a new one. All the um, geography teacher here always comes to the floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. quaternary. <laughs> that is great. Mm. So anyway, as I said, quaternary. Um, so um, no, but um, yeah, it's it's always something lower. Um, than than winning matches. That is the most important thing. So I never want in these sorts of conversations to think that I think this is the most important thing at the club. But we're nerds, right? We care about these tiny little things. Oh, we, have we got the right commercial deal with Adidas? Have we, you know, whatever. These are the things we, we, you know, we we sort of argue about, whatever. So important context. I think when he gives, whether giving youth a chance or not it, it, it is the question, is a hard one because it also depends on how much you care, really. I think each person will have a different, different relative uh, conversation with that and essentially be like, okay, well, I think... I think he does give youth a chance and it's enough for me. Some people want him to give loads more. Some people want him to give that uh, they're not bothered at all as long as we win, whatever, you know, there'll be, there'll be people, you know, parents of young players will be going, you know, Oh my God, this guy is not giving my son a chance. And, you know, someone, you know, a Chelsea fan is probably thinking, I don't, you know, it's, everyone's got a different opinion. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's yeah. already. So here's my position. I think Arteta relative to other managers is not as skilled or mm. not has not uh, given enough for, for me of a chance to young players over his four years in charge. I want to put some numbers to that um, just yeah. to give that some context. So David Moyes was appointed, I could be wrong, but was it seven days before or after? So anyway, similarly around that time. Mm, yeah. 
from his appointment to, I think it was last November, so 2023, there was an athletic article. He's given 16 academy debuts. Uh, Pep Guardiola, up up and to and including from his arrival to, I think it was November 2022, so we're going back a while, had given mm. 24 academy debuts. Jurgen Klopp, I don't know the numbers, but I, uh, similar around there. And obviously, we're looking at the moment, we're looking at the likes of Conor Bradley, we're looking at um, the likes yeah. of Chetic last season, and so on and so forth. We can name some players. I think the question of Arteta's uh, youth youth acumen has to be separated out from his development, because this is this guy's a clearly really skilled developer of talent like we've yeah, seen that right like, there's no denying that like Saka Martinelli even look at the likes of you know how Smith Rose come, come on I appreciate you know maybe we can come to him at some point but you know there's been some questions sure. around him this is a, a clearly a, a brilliant developer of talent right but for me six debuts in that four-year period is not enough some people might say it is they might say I don't care but for me it's not enough and those Seven. players are Seven, sorry, apologies. Uh, I believe they are. We should probably name them. Ben Cottrell, Miguel Aziz, Charlie Patino, Ethan Waneri. Um, Charles Sago Jr. Charles Sago Jr., good shout. That's five. Um, um, well, testing each other. I wrote these down. I should know them. Yeah, um, someone, someone in the chat will maybe maybe be able to say uh, it. Carl Hine is the Carl other. Carl Hine, that's a great shout. I'm sure we've and got there is one more as well yeah. uh, that slipped my mind, but we'll come back to it, yeah. I think there's one more. So for me, that's not... Balligan, bang on, bang on. I think then when you look into the specifics of some of those, for example, Balligan, I think I think we, we spoke about in our, in our interaction, I would argue that the Balligan situation uh, was more pressed upon him. I've remembered the co- press conference. It was before PSV. Uh, we can go back and watch that press conference. He essentially said the Wanieri thing, you know, he didn't exactly say this, but it was to show him there's a pathway. Again, he's done it, so I can't take that credit away from him, but mm. clearly there was a decision uh, with with Ethan to say, look, we want to show this guy there's a pathway. He's going to leave unless we give him a... We can't know that, but I think we can guess that, you know, so we can begin to go, okay, how many of these were like absolute choices and whatever? I think we can then begin to look at opportunities um, and say, you know, the PSV game uh, this season, the dead rubber, uh, I think we can look at the end of last season when it wouldn't matter what, what the result was against Wolves. We would have come second. Yeah. And Mario Cozzi on the bench and Saka plays, I think it's 83 minutes. I was at that game going, come on, give this guy a chance. He's had the opportunities. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. So so for me, I think when you look at the numbers, it's not enough. And I'll, I'll end with this. It's, it's not the end of the world. It's okay mm. for him to be bad at something. And I think if you're going to choose something for a manager to be bad at, it is this. And that's fine. Um, but I think you can save yourself a lot of stress by good use of the academy. And I think at the moment, that's not what I see from Arteta. But sorry, I've, I've spoken for ages, so I'll let you go. No, that's fine. I think it provides some great context. I, for me, Like the, I set out when I wrote the article in the first place, because one thing I love doing is I love proving absolutes wrong. Like just things like Arteta is terrible at giving youth a chance or Arteta can't give youth a chance or Zinchenko can't defend or Arteta's spent 700 million since he took over. You know, I love going through the details of proving why these absolutes are incorrect. But what I think that we'll, we'll probably align on some part of the spectrum is that Arteta, whilst I think does give youth a chance, he can be a lot better at giving youth a chance. And I think that's probably along the line of where we're both going to end up sitting. I think think there are games which he is accused of, like the PSV game, 
which I don't actually look at as something as as a problem. But the Wolves game you referenced and the RC Lawns game this season at home as another opportunity as well, I think are genuine, you know, where you can finger point at those games and say, yeah, come on, Mikel. Like, you, you could have thrown the kid off. Yeah. The PSV game I disagree about because at 1-1 in a game that, yes, on paper is a dead rubber, but for everyone that watched that game, both sides wanted to win it. Both sides were in, intense in that game. PSV in particular trying to go for the winner. There was a financial reward, of course, on offering the Champions League, as a, which dwarfs that of the, um, the Europa League or the Conference League group stages. And Arteta said after the game that he didn't feel it was the right context to throw Noineri or um, I think it was potentially Waters that was the other and Sosa as well that were on the bench. So, and I agree with him in that game. I think actually the intensity of that game, the scoreline of where it was, even though it was a dead rubber and their only reward was financial, I do kind of see where he was coming from with that. The Lawns game, when you're 5-0 up at halftime or whatever it was, you know, I think in that game, you can argue he should have given that the kids are more of an opportunity to bring them on, especially when you bring on somebody senior with five minutes to go. The Wolf game, you're absolutely right. One I haven't even thought about, to be fair. Um, in the last game of the season, Amaro Kojadubri, give him a chance. Throw him on for the last 10 minutes, this last game of the season. Why not? You know, so the fact that when we talk about the opportunities given, we've said we've named the seven debutants that he's given. He started Charles Sago Jr. in the, the League Cup game against Brentford. You know, the pressure that is on Arteta to deliver a trophy at the moment um there's an irony i think that emerges because we want him to give youth a chance we very nearly went out against brentford if it wasn't you know we, we held on to that one nil they battered us in the second half uh, and could have very easily scored and should have scored from a number of the opportunities they had and arteta technically risked that opening tie by playing charles sago jr over maybe one of the more senior players that was on the bench like an Erdegaard, like a jesus on that day that was on the bench and so I think that was an op- that was an example of where he has given youth a chance at the risk of what is going to happen in that game. I think that the use of Guardiola is an example, and I think this is where Clive would certainly start raising his head up in this debate, as he did on on social media. Is that if you look at the Man City investment into their academy for starters, like this is a club that nabs Manchester United's youth players, and not at the age of eight or ten, like we did with Enketia from Chelsea, mm. at the age of you know in their teens. Uh, that they nick those Manchester United Academy graduates or, or about to be Academy graduates. And there's also another argument, which I'll probably end this this equally long monologue with, um, of the question of, is there an argument that actually those other clubs that are given debuts, the players they're giving debuts to, are actually just better than our kids? And that's why they're getting the chance in relation to the starting eleven that they're going mm. up against. I've uh, I've got uh, uh, in, in, uh, after this conversation I wanted to write a video about this because I, I wanted to hear your perspective and then mm. I'm going to try and put it all into a video and sort of weigh it up. Um, and I've got this analogy of whack-a-mole. Fifty percent cut on the ad revenue. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah if it does well, you get you get you get a shout. Um, but yeah, the uh, do you know the game whack-a-mole where you have mm. to like hit certain things down, right? Yeah, yeah. Go play fair game in in uh, Canary Wharf. You can go yeah. play it there. It's very yeah, yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> so I think the youth thing is a little bit like that. It's like, okay, even if you... So let's say the, the conclusion of this is actually Arsenal's youth players, and I can see a couple of people commenting as well, maybe the talent mm. isn't good enough. Well, then I'd argue we have another problem. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, so maybe yeah. maybe that maybe that's fair. And, and, and mm. let, let's let's say that we could objectively say somehow that Arsenal's youth talent weren't as good as City or United or whoever it was. But we've got a different issue, haven't we? We've got we've got another problem. I think mm. for, for me, the the upside uh, of youth players, uh, 
when you look at the likes of Rico Lewis, you look at the likes of, you know, Garnacho coming in, you look at the likes of, you know, the situations, there's never a perfect scenario where a youth player is going to be, um, it's going to be absolutely perfect. It's going to come in and it, it, it's, you know, the, the perfect scenario. We've seen them with the, you know, whether the Lons game and we're finding up at time or the, you know, the, the dead rubber and the PSV, whatever you think of that. I've, I've found the situation with Ben White there because if he is carrying a knock, then why is he playing that? Slightly confused me mm. if you know Rawls mm-hmm. is on the bench anyway. Um, but you know, I, I don't, I, you know, we're also dealing with scraps of information. We're dealing with, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't speak to Mikel Arteta regularly. Um, so, uh, at all. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so I don't know, but, but I'm, right. you know, I'm seeing from the outside, but uh, yeah, I, I suppose, yeah, two things. Firstly, is, is the idea that we may, may have another problem, but secondly, the upside of a youth player coming in and doing well can mean you don't have to go into the market. And so how much does Rico Lewis cost on the market now? How mm. much does Garnacho cost on the market now? You can, mm. you know, especially when we're sat here with the PSR issues that we have, say we'd given, okay, I'm not saying they're good enough. I don't know. Say we'd given a Kaon Edwards a chance 18 months ago. Say we'd given, yeah. uh, you know, John Jules a chance when Mikel comes in. Who knows what situation we're in? Had we not given Smith Rowe a chance on the 26th of December, 2020, yeah, we're not. We might be on a completely different path. We might be it was Arteta's choice to do. Yeah. Oh no, no abs- absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And, and I'm saying that's one of the benefits. That yeah, the I, I so, yeah, I just think there's such a massive upside. And I also something um, actually, Clive has said as well, which I, I I would say I agree with about ninety nine point nine 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 percent of what Clive says. But what he does say is you don't want to ten minutes at the wrong time for a player yeah. can kill them. And I 100 mm. percent understand that. And on an individual level, obviously you don't want to put someone in a position where they're, they're, they're going to be, you know, a young person's career is destroyed because they go out and the confidence go, you don't want that. And, and I would trust the people who know them to make that decision. But mm. my suggestion would be, if if that happens, one of two things has happened. The player isn't right for the environment, which is mm. fine, but then they need to go somewhere else. Or the academy hasn't prepared them for that situation. Both, situ- both of them, which I would say are not necessarily about the player, well, no, one of them is about the player, one of them is about the academy, but the other one is, okay, well then, were they ever going to, if 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 10 minutes and giving a couple of balls away in a dead rubber game in the Champions League destroys the player mentally, I, I do, I have sympathy for them on an individual level and that person mm. should be looked after, but were they right for top level football? I, I okay, I've got, I've got, I think I've got a good response for that. Go um, for how many Arsenal fans do you think watch under 21 or youth games? Okay, how many Arsenal fans say they watch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, let's um, let's okay. Let's let's ask a better question. What percentage of fans that watch the senior men's team do you think genuinely watch the under twenty ones on a regular basis? I would put it below five percent. I would. Yeah, I would, so would I. I think it's I probably would, even lower than that. Um, yeah, you know, very small if, got, if there's hundreds of millions of Arsenal fans mm-hmm. watching us play, which there mm-hmm. could be. You know, mm. it, it's maybe more in the tens of millions, but if they, it could be in the hundreds of millions, you know, China might be full of Arsenal fans. We don't know. Um, but uh, probably not actually thinking about it. But in regards to the percentage of watching those youth games and then obviously the, the presence of Arsenal fans online, I don't think that the academy can prepare a player for a 10-minute performance in front of suddenly tens of millions of people that is going to 
brand them in the memory of those fans with just those 10 minutes because we'll hear about them on podcasts or we'll hear about them in, we'll see them a little bit in pre-season as we have with Raw Waters, for example. But until they step onto the stage and play a proper game in a competitive environment, those fans, that those 10 minutes, those 15 minutes is what they are going to take as the example. And when I think about Charlie Patino's performance against Nottingham Forest, there was a lot of concerns mm-hmm. with the entire team, for sure, not just Patino. But that was the last reference point we had of Patino as a potential starter in a senior game for us. And it, and it didn't land in that mm-hmm. moment. He's gone to Blackpool. It was a decent season. There was question marks about some of his, his loan at Blackpool, which aren't really talked about because we like to talk about the positives when it comes to the youth players more than the negatives. It sw- swaps completely when you get to senior level. Um, of course, this season at Swansea's gone pretty, I think, better than last season did at Blackpool as well. And there'll be a lot of clamour for him to probably stay in the summer despite him having a year on his contract. So do you see what I mean about the argument about the preparation? I think I cut the academy some slack in that regard because I just think the difference off the pitch in terms of perception is just something that you can't prepare for in the same way. I would agree. I don't I don't think it's possible to to prepare. <laughs> but you know, at some point you have to take that leap. And Absolutely. you know, I I think what you as in it's not possible to give someone in the same way that in all in all walks of life, you know, if you go to a to a a job interview or you know even coming on here, I I don't know what questions you're going to ask, you don't know what I'm going to say, you know, it's yeah. you are you're always well, in a like bit those. Right. Yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? And it's kind of, and, and it kind of you know so you can go somewhere you don't expect, which is which is exciting. Yeah, I do think though there are certain things you can do. You know, sounds like Pez Mertzak is doing a great job with the sort of the strong young gunners stuff. Um, to to protect players at least, maybe maybe not prepare them, but protect mm. them for the moment they go on the pitch and all of that stuff. And you know, let's be honest. Is there an Arsenal fan out there who doesn't know who Miles Lewis Skelly is? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, so I, I don't think it's the eighties where a young yeah. player comes up who's, oh my goodness me, you don't know. You know, yes, okay, maybe people don't watch watch U twenty one football, but I would be shocked if people didn't know who at least there was a guy who's fifteen yeah. who scored eleven goals against Liverpool. I think most mm. fans would know that. So certainly on online fans who are going to be the most vocal anyway. So I, I, I don't think there is a possibility to prepare. But equally, I think there are to to actually make that leap. But I also think there are certain things you can do, and I would suggest the players who uh, maybe make that leap, whether it goes well or not, and are okay, have been prepared well, and um, mm. and you you can suggest that maybe they are they're ready for for first team football. I don't know about you, I, I don't know how old you are, but like you know, I look, I think back to myself at like sixteen, and I'm like, I would have absolutely yeah. crumbled. For someone says one negative thing, I'd have, I'd have crumbled. Yeah, but I'm not. Then I'm not built for that level, and I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's it's kind of fine. Yeah, it's in human nature, isn't it, to always look at the negatives? I do it now at 29. By the way, um, <laughs> I still look at those negatives, and it's tough. I've certainly grown a thicker skin, and that experience of doing this show since 2016 has certainly taught me that ability to to, to you know to to bat insults away or to just ignore some elements of the fan base as well, which is certainly a skill uh, (laughs) that's that's worth doing is ignoring people. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I do think that we agree along the lines of that Arteta can be better, um, but Mm. he's not... I was going to say he's not failing. Do you think he's failing with it? I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'd rather ask you the question. I I don't think you can say he's failing. 
I think if mm. you look at the job he's doing at Arsenal, it's so. I meant more with the just specifically. Yeah, specific. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, th- I, th- I don't, I, d- I wouldn't use those words. But if I was going in, if I was going in and saying, what can we do better at Arsenal? Yeah. As well as you know, looking at how we, you know, prepare for open play stuff. You know, looking at. Um, perhaps our, our, our game management and certain things. I remember Mikhail went on this sort of long thing at the end of last season, sort of said there's a number of things that we can do better, you know, man-to-man situations or whatever he said. I'd just add youth integration onto the bottom of that. And again, which is, you know, as I said at the top, I don't want this to come across in any way. Like I'm like, this is the big problem I ask. It's not. It's it's it's. But what I do think is I I see massive upsides yeah. to to youth integration and also think that, if we can't integrate youth at the same level that Man City, Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea, so and so on do, fine. Mm. But then there's something else going on there. It might be that Mikel is like, I don't have the talented player. That's absolutely fine. Then we've got a different issue. Then we need to look at Per Mertesacker. Saka. We need to look at the recruitment. We need to look at, you know, because these guys, you know, Bukayo Saka, what, what does he go for now? 150 million? You know, to the, to the right, to the right prior. I don't think you can exactly. put a price on him. <laughs> so, you know, and, and you know, this is the thing, youth football, there is, you're not only competing with the play, you know, the guys next to you in the changing room, you're also competing mm. with the youth academies everywhere. You're com- yeah. competing with youth academies all across the Premier League, but also all across the world. These clubs have data points on it, or probably, you know, <laughs> that we wouldn't even believe on, the, on, on, on young players. So the pressure has never been higher and that's fine. But the reason the pressure has never been higher and the reason the stakes never been higher is because the upside is so huge. That's the point. You can save yourself. You can know Stan Kroenke. Why would he say to Mikel, "Here's 120 million pounds for Victor Osserman when he thinks actually there might be someone in the academy? And whether there is or isn't is is kind of up to you to decide. Mm-hmm. But the point is, we should be aiming at least to 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 get to that point. If we're not, yeah, I I think what would make this debate in terms of like it would really lean in your favour is is if there wasn't obviously an already already existing roster of quite a few Halen graduates in the senior mm-hmm. team, mm-hmm. you know if if there wasn't a Saka, a Smith Rowe, and Enketi that is used relatively often by mm-hmm. Arteta and Nelson that's also there in the background too, you know, I think then there would be a really strong argument for the idea that he should be doing a lot more. Um, but because those players exist, and yes, he inherited those players who'd already made their senior debuts for sure. Um, but obviously, he established Saka. You know, he established Smith yeah. Rowe to an extent, and, and even Enketia as um, the number two striker to to a degree uh, mm-hmm. at the club as well. Whether people think that's the right decision or not, he obviously did that. So, I think that there is a lot more to come from the academy, and I think also, you know. We talk about and we hire up Nuaneri and, and Skelly. At the end of the day, these kids are 16, 17 years yep. of age you know, as well. And, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about um, Nuaneri and, and, and Miles Lewis Skelly, and they were complaining to me. They're like, these guys are, are good enough for senior football, maybe not for Arsenal, but they should be going on loan. And I had to explain that they can't. That they, they, <laughs> they can't go on loan yet because they haven't signed a professional contract. Those pro contracts <laughs> signed when they're 17. <laughs> And I think that's the misconception that a lot of people sometimes have is that, well, if they're not playing, why are they not playing elsewhere if they're good enough? And I'm like, well, they probably are good enough to go Get online. Get them to Sturm Gratz. Come yes, on. Vitus Arnhem. The Mika Mirev route. Let's do that. I, um, I, will, I, will, I will say that on that, just very briefly, mm. lo- I think our loan, our usage of loans can have a look as well. We can have a look yeah, at, you know, sure. are, are we, you know, loans are really difficult. And, you know, I would challenge you to find any club in the world who masters loaning. Um, you know, Chelsea, and our, 
<laughs> even just because they, they do it so much you know eventually yeah. you, know, throw, you throw enough on the walls something's going to stick but you know that's another area that i look at you know you know where does a, you know when we look back in let's say last five years of loans you know the likes of you know i don't know john jules and aziz and these these types of players and again it's, it's difficult because you don't know whether they're good enough or not but i i do think you can always try to be better and obviously i think it's was it ben napper went to norwich yeah we've now got um oh it's surname begins with h what's his name uh i'll have to google it quick but i, I don't know if someone said clive's name three times in the mirror but he's appeared in the chat box and said uh was watching harry clark and Steffi mavadidi play this week uh, i think the critique is using the loan world better to bring Clive. in funds there you go great minds the timing, <laughs> the timing of that was absolutely perfect uh, arsenal's loan manager is sam Hable. uh at the moment sam he took Hable. over from from ben napa yes so yeah you're right i think loan wise you know you look at Tavares, for instance, who's gone to mm. Forest, not played. Mm. Uh, we've had it in the. It's like I know there's probably assumptions saying that's a that's been a bad loan. Like I don't believe that they had discussions with Forest and Forest yeah. were like, "Well, we're not going to play him. we're not going to play him, but we'll take yeah. him on loan." Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that conversation went. He's going to get opportunities yeah. to play, yeah. and there wasn't really too much in the way of interest anyway in someone yeah. like Tavares. Yeah. I, I think with the loan thing, we can always be better. And I think we, I think 100% Arsenal can be better. But mm. I would challenge you to find a club where you go, oh my god, look how, look how, you know, there probably might be one or two loans in two or three years within two or three years that that do really well or do okay or make you a bit of money. You know, I, I think that's really hard. And it, and it's also what's that Jose Mourinho quote? How they play if they play. You know, you look, yeah. you look at the loan market that we did, let's say in the last ten years. Where are those players now? If they were good enough, they. They would have found their way, so it's it's yeah. hard. That's how that's hard. Saying, Get Jeff Rain Adelaide in the squad, you know, <laughs> like and look, look what's happened. You know, it's Steffi Mavadidi. I think that, that um, Clive mentioned. You know, he was at Charlton. I remember my missus that all that that side of the family are Charlton fans. So I remember them raving about him, and then I think he went to Montpellier for a bit. Now he's back with Leicester, of course, and you know that some of them aren't going to develop into a player that's of a, of a competitive level until they're just never going to get a chance. Like Balogun, I think, was one of those. You know, he could become a striker that Arsenal might be interested in again in three or four years' time, but that was never going to happen whilst I thought he was at Arsenal. He's gone away, he scored less goals this season at Monaco than Nketiah's got for Arsenal this season, you know, playing a lot less football. So mm. it's, it's mm. always worth pointing out sometimes that it could be the time that they're at Arsenal is just not the right time for them at Arsenal. Uh, mm. And that is the reality that we have to find ourselves with. Um, just before we go on to the next topic, uh, a few super chats. Diallo says, always enjoy listening to these two gentlemen. Thank you, Diallo. Uh, Jack Senior says, two of the very best Arsenal content creators here. Thank you, Jack. And Adam said, oh, my two favourites finally teaming up. Sad I have to now go back to the start and listen from the beginning. Uh, you can catch up, of course, if you are tuning in late. Uh, this will also be out on an audio version platform uh, a little bit later on uh, this evening as well, if you'd like to listen on, on those. I think that quite nicely, we talk about loans. That leans probably into one of the other criticisms of the club right now, which is selling. Um, and how we sell as a club. Edu, I think, in the summer is going to be under massive scrutiny regarding a number of players that uh, we expect probably won't be here. I'm talking about the likes of Aaron Ramsdale, um, potentially Eddie Nketiah, potentially Reese Nelson. Smith Rowe could come into this as well. I've got this sneaking suspicion that Zinchenko could soon be on the potential outgoings list in the near future. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Thomas Partey could be on the way out. And, and Edu has got to manage those sales with his team, of course, and try and get money in so that Arsenal can have 
far greater freedom to deal with these scrutinizing profit and sustainability mm. regulations. So are you how, where do you sit with Arsenal selling? Are you sympathetic to the challenges that we faced in selling or should we be doing a lot better? Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's similar I I almost describe it as similar to the to the David Raya situation when you're trying to to move up it creates separate problems so for in the rise and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com situation we're trying to move up but we're if, if you're in second and you're trying to go to first it's much harder to go from second to first than it is well there's, mm-hmm. there's less space to move so the improvements are going to be this big so i think that's some of, some of the right situation i think that's similar with the selling because we've been trying to move up the table because we've gone for you know what is it eighth eighth fifth second what we're getting rid of or not what not we're sort of not interested in and in having the team anymore will be a asset that we're losing you know something that we clearly don't want and it's very hard to sell assets mm-hmm especially outside of the Premier League, considering, you know, the, the fees that are involved in the Premier League and, and and the money that's available abroad, to when they know you don't want them. You know, who's going to pay loads and loads of money for Cedric Suarez, who's come out of the team, or for Sambi Lukonga, who's come out of the team, whatever, when you know that club don't want them. The biggest sales, it's a bit of an obvious point, but I do think it's worth saying, when people say, oh, Arsenal don't sell very well. Well, who are the biggest sales? Did Aston Villa want to sell Jack Grealish to Villa? To, 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 to Man City, not really. Did Liverpool really, really... Yes, they got an amazing deal. That's an amazing sale. Yeah. I look back on it. But at the time, did they want to sell him to Barcelona? Probably not mm. um, until the until the pause was right. So that's that's always a, a key thing to, to remember. I do... I think we can be better. I do think now we've slightly established ourselves and the squad is, is, is sort of strengthening itself. I look at the likes of a couple of players you mentioned. Yeah, Zinchenko. I look at... Um, I look at Ramsdale, but there was green shoots last summer, you know, and 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 also, you know, Willock was a decent sale. Balogun was a decent sale. Um, and I, I think we'll probably see another record sale this summer. I think we'll probably mm. see it with, with, with Ramsdale or with, with with Zinchenko, maybe. I don't know, depending on how Timber comes in at the end of the season and, and how, that, how that situation pans out. I don't know. Look, are we the best sellers? No. But equally, have we been in a position of strength? with assets that we want to hold on to that someone can prize it away from us. That's when you get money. So it's hard. And I think, you know, maybe Enketia goes, I don't know, maybe, um, you know, we were looking at in January, uh, there was some rumors about Tommy Asu going and I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell Tommy Asu, but if you're offering me 70 million pounds, that's when you start to get the sense of a good selling club. When you don't want to sell a player, 
but you have enough really going on to be able to say, okay, maybe we do that and then we move something on. So we've not been in a position for very long where we have loads of saleable assets. So until we are two, three years down the line, I probably won't be too harsh on that, even though I think we've not been amazing. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's definitely reference points that I look at, and I said this on a show the other day, so for the listeners that have heard that, sorry, just because I'm going to repeat it, but, you know, Burnt Leno's sale was, in my opinion, a pathetic sale. Yeah, it's a poor sale. It's a poor sale. Like, three million quid rise into about eight is based upon his, you know, if they stayed up and then subsequent, I think, survivals and things like that and the amount of appearance and stuff. I think we probably will get close to the eight million, but even then, this is a German international that is, it was, I think, just before, maybe slightly after the age of 30. He's got loads of years at the senior level ahead of him. He was playing regular football, I think, a season prior at Arsenal, you know, mm. Manfred Panos, the money we got for him was very low. Genduzi, I, I understand to a degree, um, but had obviously been playing regularly and we'd already pre-agreed that that price tag prior mm. to his loan to Marseille, which I, I think factors into things. Um, but yeah, there, there's been some sales which I look at and go, but then there's others I think, you know, we did well to get 25 million for Joe Willock. Um, mm. I know yeah. people regret the loss of Emmy Martinez, but after just 12 games, we got close to 20 million pounds for a guy who we'd just played 12 games in the first mm-hmm. team. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously we've, we've replaced him and people would say there's a debate about whether or not Ray or Ramsdale is as good as Martinez, but I suppose that's a, a different podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, sales like Balogun, who we've already mentioned, 34 million pounds for him, uh, which could rise to over 40, depending on what he's sold on for with the sell-on clause of 17.5%, is also worth considering what we've done well to, to get. Before I do... You had the likes of Oxlade Chamberlain Awobi getting in close mm-hmm. to forty million pounds um, mm-hmm. as sales as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, and also, they, do you think there's an argument that what the resources to sell of what Edu inherited certainly has played a part in this? Yeah. Look, I, yeah, I, I think you're. We're right to critique some, and we're right to praise others. I don't, you know, it's okay for it to be an average performance. I just want to mm. address one of the one of the comments because I think it brings up an important point from sure. Paul Abutu. Did Manchester City want to sell Gabby Jesus and Zinchenko? Yes, and they got good value for their sales. Please don't make excuses for a poor sales performance. They, they didn't have to, is the point. They didn't have mm. to sell them. You know, we were in a position where we bought Aaron Ramsdale in. It was clear that um, that he was going to be our number one. He he took over from Van Leno. We're in a position where it, we've we've shown our hand. We've gone, look, we've got a new number one. We don't want this guy anymore. I think he was coming towards the end of his contract anyway because when did he sign? 2019. So mm. he had two, maybe two years left. We're in a position where we've shown our hand and, and we kind of have to sell. Man City didn't need to. You know, they, they've got space to play them. Not to, who, Who's to say they would have played? Similar with, with Sterling, I, I think. But the problem is they have a depth of squad where they would have got minutes yeah, but it's not clear from an external perspective to a Man City buyer, someone coming to Man City and, and saying, "I've got some money for you." It's not clear whether they're going to play them or not because they've got mm. such a, a depth of squad. They rotate all the time, and this is you know you want to get to that position where you have seventeen, eighteen, nineteen players, a really brilliant core group of players who maybe every so often you just refresh. One summer you maybe take off one or two, add in two mm. or three, and at that point is when I would judge. I do. I still think we're fourteen. 15 players. Yeah. Uh, and Clive says a simple equation. You get better at sales when you get better at buying. And you, it, linking back to, to Paul's, I think it was Paul, um, his question about uh, Gabby and, and Zinchenko. Both of those players were bought at a, a point in time where they were rated very highly at a young age. 
Uh, Zinchenko went on loan to PSV as well and gained further senior time. And Jesus, similar to the pathway of Alvarez, has been used and gradually improved to the level where a club like Arsenal would want him. And the mm. same thing with Alvarez already. After a short space of time, a lot of the top clubs in Europe would want Julian Alvarez and would mm. pay upwards of 45, 50 million pounds to get their hands on him as well. And so whilst I, I, I agree with your response to, to Paul's question about that, it's not at all about making excuses because Jesus and Zinchenko were winning titles with Manchester City. Mm. Arsenal wanted to be in a position where they were competing with Man City. Well, what do you do? You go and get players that have won titles, which Zinchenko mm. and Jesus both did. Now, the next step for Arsenal, because we've shown that we can compete with Man City with those players in the team. Uh, and this season, yes, has been harder because I think there's a number of factors, including injuries and, and Liverpool's return to the fore as well that have made it tougher. Um, but we sit in third, which if you look at the record of the Premier League over the last few years, you'd say we're the third best club in England, mm. to be honest. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that Jesus and Zinchenko will be players that Arteta is looking at in the long term to upgrade upon. And, mm. you know, they came from a team that won it and a team that now have outgrown those two. And so we're going to have to, I think, go down that same pathway if we want to, you know, keep mm. our keep on the coattails and beyond with City. Yeah. And and I also, I think because we're talking about money, you know, clubs don't just pick numbers out of thin air. You know, they'll go to they'll go to Deloitte Money Leagues and you hear about all mm. these lawyers who come in and assess assets and look at wages, all this sort of stuff. So, yes, there are good sales. Yes, there are bad sales. But like they're at the very edge. And I think most sales are just what the market was, you know, at the time what was the market situation and what mm. was, you know, again, to be clear, I'm not saying that aren't good or, or, or bad sales, but there's situations where, where we look back and we go, well, that's a terrible sale. Yeah. But yeah. But at, in the moment that mm. was what the player was worth. Yes. He's yeah. played his way okay. into being a better player or, or yes, he's played his way into being a worse player. But at the moment that was the value of the player. So we're dealing with economics as well. I, I, so it's, it's hard. It's I, I just, I will never go too hard on the sales thing because we also don't know. We, this it's, again, the transfer market is something that I think. What's that thing about Dunning? Is it Dunning Kruger? We all think we know loads about it, but honestly, the more I learn about yeah. it, the more I'm like, I don't, I don't understand how players are valued. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, and, and I think obviously the era that we live in, with the existence of things like Football Manager and FIFA and yeah. things like this, often do influence how people think that the football world works, and it, it really doesn't work in that same way look it's selling is something that i think is going to be scrutinized this summer and i think we'll have a much better clarity about how good edu is or how good the club is at selling after this summer has completed so let's just wait and see um what happens of course with the profit and sustainability regulations that is always uh, an undertone and could still restrict other clubs from spending more but we'll have to we'll have to see um what happens uh, as, as we bring kind of the show into the last um, section. I actually want to open up to you, Alex, in terms of a, a finishing topic. Which question mark for you stands out about Arsenal, Arteta, Adu, the ownership? What is standing out for you as the biggest question of Arsenal right now? Well, I can only see what's on my mind. Um, yeah. So, look, I loved the performance. I, no, I love the result against Palace. I loved it. And that is, as I say, the most important thing. If we're winning matches, that's all that matters. But I do still worry about our open play um, structure. Mm. Uh, I have a number of specific things. Um, but I think just specifically before I, sorry, before I, before I say that, 
yeah, as I say, if if we if we win on set pieces and field tilts at the end of the season, I don't care. If we win if we win a title by by the ball bouncing it off the goalkeeper's head ten times again, I don't mind. It really doesn't yeah. bother me. But what does bother me is consistently putting ourselves in a position where the fine margins go for us. I think mm. you you every game you're going to be talking about fine margins. Of course, that is that is football. You can do ninety nine things right, but the one thing that goes wrong might mean you lose the game. But if you put yourself in the right position enough times, like getting on a surfboard, if you build a good surfboard, yeah, the waves might not come, but you built the surfboard, and when it does come, you're gonna you're gonna be all right. So you can only focus on building the surfboard. And I think part of our surfboard that isn't working at the moment is our open play. Mm. Number of things, and I'm able to throw this to you. I think we lack a bit of central dynamism, and I mean that by carries. I think either from Zinchenko or from Timber or from putting Smith Rowe in there or something. I'd love to see someone drive through the through the center of the pitch a bit more. Uh, I think we've lost that squeeze that we had last season. Uh, yeah. Like in in the best moments of last season, Saliba and Gabriella literally they were like beyond the halfway line. Mm. It may be to pull people out. You know, it might be against because against Palace we were trying to pull Palace a little bit apart. I don't understand that. But when we do that and we separate out our centre back and our on our number nine it makes us play a little bit safer because the, the players aren't as compressed and because sort of knock it round teams in the way we did at points last season, not to over-index last season. I think that's another another whole issue. Yeah. Um, and I also think the balance of our attack causes issues. I think we have too many facilitators at the moment. I thought I felt it against Liverpool. If you put players on a, on, a, on, a, on a spectrum, at the moment, Martinelli is really the only player we have who is a killer, who is a, who is mm. a finisher first. We were stood there against Liverpool and all of Martinelli's spaces, I felt, were clogged by players whose first idea when they pick up the ball is is connect, which is oh. not a bad thing. It's not a bad yeah. thing at all. You need those players as well. If you had five killers, you'd have a problem. But yeah. at the moment, we've only got one. And I'd love to address it either by moving some players around or 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 just changing that that slightly. Maybe maybe put Trossard in a different position. I don't know. But mm. yeah, I... I I do worry about us from open play. I think that I think I worked out the last goal we scored from open play, and I will define that as not a transition goal. So, for example, Havertz against Brighton, I would say was a transition goal. You could even argue the one I'm about to say was a transition goal because it came from Martinelli. But I would say the last open play goal we scored was Saka against Fulham, and then before that, you know, you, you, you're going you're going quite a way back. So mm. I think to like the the, the Luton game. So I don't know. I, I do worry about that. That's my question mark at the minute. Yeah, it's a really good point. I'm trying to think now, off the top of my head. I'm going back the last like the goal. The best way to find it, the goal that kind of kind of played from a build up. You know, we, bro- was, we broke a team down essentially. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, what was the first Brighton goal? Um, first Brighton goal was Jesus at the back post. I, I I looked at it for a video. I think the last, in my opinion, and this could be this could, people could disagree with me, but in mm. my opinion, since Luton, so. You know, like that, that for example, that Ben. I think you could say Martin, ben, anyone came from a mistake from their goalkeeper. When yeah, you throw you got to throw in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Even the Fulham uh, one I mentioned is really Martinelli breaking down the left hand side, and it's a, as I say, it's a mistake. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just I, we're going to be sat for the rest of the season against a lot of low blocks. Yeah, and I think that that's what I was going to say in answer to your your points. There is that. The reason why it's different is because people look at us differently this season and people yep. are treating us differently this season. And teams have have taken a lot of time in the build-up to playing us to work out what wasn't working against Arsenal last season and what small 
wins teams had against Arsenal when they did get them last season. And they're using that as the primary strategy when they play mm. us um, now. Now, I agree with you. We have far too many facilitators and not enough killers. Um, and our killer, which I agree with you, being Martinelli, and I think he showed that in the game against Palace of when he gets in those positions, he's not looking up to pass in those moments. He's looking to score. Um, is I think there's more to be coached from Martinelli, personally. I think there's more improvements to be made to his game. I think that he's always one touch beyond what he needs to do. I think sometimes he's thinking too much in his head when he's got the ball at his feet and he'll take a, an extra touch when he doesn't need to or overhit the final touch or um, it's kind of been coached into him that he needs to pass sometimes when he could be a bit more ruthless mm -hmm, at times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay. um, and I think that Jesus and the role that he's played, I think this, this system needs a centre-forward that can facilitate, but maybe not one that's facilitate first. And it's yep. more facilitate second. Yep. And Jesus is a facilitate first centre forward. And trust me, whoever we sign next to be the next number nine for Arsenal, I want some of those facilitating qualities in that centre forward. But everything that is missing from Jesus as a primary is what I want to see in whoever we mm. go for next, which mm. is why I'm so annoyed at the lack of options that there are in the market at centre forward. Right, it, it, we, we are crying out for a striker. And they're, for me, in terms of the options that we could go for, just simply aren't there for us. Mm. And I think we're going to have to find someone in the end that is someone that can become that in the next few seasons rather than someone that is that for us. Mm. And a lot of fans aren't going to like that. No, but I agree with you. I, I think you. that that's the reality of the market of where I've been saying it for some time. Where do you stand on Ivan Tony being that guy? Just out of curiosity. I I've all I've come down on the no side for Tony. If he was forty million pounds, I'd do it yeah. tomorrow. I'd so do it just tomorrow. Word out of my mouth. Yeah, but but I can't get over the price tag. I cannot no, get over it. No, yeah. you can't. You can't do that for eighty million because you know he's had one season of sample. You know what was it? Eight penalties in twenty or six penalties in twenty or something like that. He's a great player, and actually, I think he can do he can do a lot of things. I think he can be. He can be maybe the player that you were describing, and maybe he—I would argue—he's just facilitate first because I look at his his best. Here's the question: What is the unstoppable quality that Arsenal have? For City, it's Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland. Mm. You literally—it doesn't. You could put you could put the best you could put the next coming of Nesta next to Haaland, and he would still find a way, right? Yeah, yeah. with Trent with Trent and Salah. That connection down the right-hand side, no defender in the world, especially not Zinchenko, is going to be able to stop that. The mm. question I have is what is the inevitable quality in Arsenal's team? The thing that when we're playing poorly gets us out. We have great players, but who is inevitable? And I look at Ivan Tony and I say for 80, 90 million pounds, are you inevitable? No. I look at Osserman and mm. I think there's qualities you know, for 30 million pounds more, if we can do that deal for 20, 30 million pounds more, where you say that guy can move centre-backs in a way that I can't see being stopped. I'm mm. not saying he's going to absolutely smash but, it, but but he has quickly, that inevitable quality. Can he move Premier League centre-backs? And I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, he's playing against mm. Serie A farmers, because I'm not that guy. I'm actually very mm. defensive about, you know, disparaging mm. comments about other leagues. But... I still think there is the question mark, the Premier League question mark about Ozymen. And that's a lot of money mm -hmm. to go out 
and bring in a guy for 130 million pounds that's had mm. one 30 plus goal a season thing um he's got eight in 18 i think for napoli this season mm. who aren't having the best of campaigns to be mm. fair as a club um but is it, I, 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 the big, big money for me, you know, Rice, I was so happy paying that money for Rice. Like, I was more than happy to spend that amount of money on Rice. And I had a lot of pushback from people saying, why are we spending this much on someone who's not better than Partey? And I think he's proven this season why we've spent that much money on him. And I still think he can get better as well. I think there's still things he can improve. Mm-hmm. But the striker thing, if you're going to spend $100 because Haaland, if he didn't have a release clause, was going to be going for over $100 million. And that's what you've got to look for. And again... I don't know if Ozymane's good enough to, to to pay that. I think maybe Haaland's the the good comparison because if Erling Haaland had come into the league and hadn't been able to to City hadn't been able to generate him the spaces he's had in yeah. behind, which is his his superpower. That just once once he's behind, you, you're done, right? You're done. Yeah, he has been able to do that. But even if he hadn't. He he has an, a knack to find space in the box. He's got an aerial ability. He's got other things in his game. And that's mm. what I'd say about Osserman is that Osserman, I, I would say for me, Osserman's superpower is finding a little bit of space in the box. Even if he can't do that, he has the yeah. running power in behind. I think he's the flip of Haaland. He has mm. the running power in behind. He has the height. He has that. You saw that goal he assisted for Kvartskele the other day. Like He's got that ability to hold onto it in the box and get his yeah, an, an, an action off sharply. He's strong. So, even if his superpower dulls down, which to me is 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 holding defenders and, and and getting a sharp action away, even if he can't do that, I think he has other aspects to his game that means he will be able to, and then I think he can establish himself. But yeah, mm. for, I, I I don't know. Look, there's always questions, and again, that's my opinion from watching. F- I think four or five nineties probably by now uh, mm. over the you know over the last couple of years, and then YouTube clips and compilations or whatever. I would ne- I'm not an awesome expert, and no, you know unless you are. Literally him. No one knows. Yeah. So, um, Erling Haaland got fifty-two goals in fifty-three games last season. How many do you think he would have got for Arsenal? Haaland. That is yeah. a good question. That is a good question. Because I like what you were saying about the the spaces that Man City were creating for him and stuff, and they are a superior build-up team to us without question. Mm. So I'm curious, like. Because we look at Haaland saying, well, he won City the treble last season, but let's not pretend they're not a team that's already threatened to be getting winning that, even if it was Jesus even up there, you know, last mm. season. I, th- I think they would have won close to a treble mm. last season still. Mm. Um, so, yeah, how many goals would Haaland score for Arsenal last season? I think he would have got a number. I think it would have been less because mm. we don't we don't use the heart. We don't have that elite half space crosser. We might do in Fabio Vieira, but he can't get on the pitch. Mm. So I don't think he'd have, he'd have had that. I don't think, um, I think we try and control the game further up the pitch than City. So I don't think he'd have the space in behind to get those types of goals. I think he would have scored more from set pieces, maybe. It's hard to say. I think he would have scored, but I don't think he would have scored as many. Yeah. I think that, I think that's, I think that City team is uniquely set up because also our, our, our our superpower last season was getting our wingers inside and that compresses his spaces anyway. So, Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that that's, that's the worry I've got is it whenever we sign that striker that comes next mm. is I don't think they're going to deliver what Haaland's delivered. I, I don't think we can get our own version of Haaland. I think that if we signed Haaland, this is kind of the, the point of the question, we don't get the 52 or goal season striker yeah. in, in Haaland if we signed him last season. So 
it's not just for me about the centre forwards. And I think mm-hmm. that's the that's the key point about where Arsenal is at right now with this, how their squad looks. I think we are two forwards away from that kind of group being completed. I want to see another wide player. Trossard is I like Trossard, but he's a stopgap. Um the be- one of the best stopgaps we've ever had. An amazing but, stop gap, but yeah, I agree. But he is he is a stopgap um with respect to him. Um, you know, Mudrick we were very, very interested. I don't like watching him at Chelsea because it just I just look at that and think, what a waste. Like what a waste of talent that could have like I I, I looked, I watched him so much at, at Shakhtar when we were being linked to him, and I just saw just that was moldable, something there that could have been turned into something special. And I think he's been ruined, you know, at Chelsea, which is why I'm worried about the Havertz situation, but we haven't really got time to, to cover that um in, in enough detail. But similar to how Havertz at Leverkusen and the talent that was there and what he was showing was just drained and sucked out of him at that club. And I worry mm. that, that Mudrick's going a similar mm. way. Mm. Um, but I feel that we are a, a fully fit Pedro Neto style player. Um, somebody like that that can offer you uh, more pace, more speed um, mm. in this team. Because we aren't seeing... Like, people say that we've got BTEC Pep. Right, and then we've got like you know the guy that wants to copy Pep, but he is different to Pep. It's very different. There are differences between Arteta and Pep. There's certainly similarities, but there are differences between them, and they have different philosophies. And they know that if they're going to beat City to a title, they can't do it by being City. They've got to mm-hmm. do it by. Oh, I mean, we beat them by being almost an anti-City, if you like, mm-hmm. um, when mm-hmm. we beat them this season. So, yeah, very interesting. But there, mm-hmm. the question mark about the spaces is great. Um, I think the, the the last thing I'll say is. The big, the my, if I have a bugbear with Arteta, I do think sometimes he, and people say he overthinks. I don't think it's as simple as mm. this. I think he prioritizes system over individual. And that's not as simple as a, a binary choice. I think he's just ever so slightly prioritizes system. And I think sometimes I go, look, mate, you've got Bakaya Saka on your team. I don't know who can ride contact inside as a midfielder yeah. better than Bakaya Saka. So let mm. him do it. I don't know. Looking at Gabby Martinelli, I don't know who in that left-hand channel can do what he does with the level of consistency that we've seen it as as well as Gabby Martinelli. Th- there's a reason that these players have got to the level that, that they're at, and there's mm. a, and and, that, and and he's putting, for example, like Declan Rice is exactly where he needs to be. He has a supernatural ability to stop play, and that's exactly yeah. where he needs to be. He's put him right where he needs to be. That's why he's so brilliant. I sometimes worry with our forwards. Are they in the exact best position? Can Saka come in as, as our right eight? Because I don't, I, I like, what is, yeah, for me, I just look at some of our players and I go, you have Smith Rowe combining on the edge of the box. Mm. Can anyone stop? Can anyone stop you? Who, what did Jamie Carragher say? One of the best ball carriers in, in the Premier League. Has he been given the opportunity to do that? I don't know. And I sometimes just think, with, with especially with the forward players, Arteta prioritizes sort of system a little bit too much Control. over going, what is yeah. your superpower? Go do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's always wanting control. Like when I watch him from the press box and the, on the touchline, the amount of times he's going like this, like like to calm, like to calm things down. Like and and if someone like someone takes a shot early, if someone plays a part the wrong pass, like he gets so visibly irritated that mm-hmm. we lose control in mm-hmm. games um, and that we don't do things to the letter. 
there is something as much as maybe overcoaching. I hope that we're not there. I'm not saying he is overcoaching at the moment, but there's definitely a potential for him to become somebody that ends up overcoaching. I don't think we're there yet. Um, but it's a really interesting thing about Saka because I've complained for a long, long time that he's being suffocated uh, in he's too wide. I don't know if I would move him to the right eight, but I would certainly change the way he plays his right wing role to be more interior than he is. I love that he's what he has done is add, added a different dimension where Martinelli hasn't. Saka can go on his right foot where Martinelli mm. can't to the same level go on to his left. Um, but you should celebrate what's good about them. And, and Martinelli's celebration is is what he does do with his right foot. So tailor the system to getting yeah. that to its max. Yep. tailor the system on the right-hand side to getting Saka into the most dangerous positions to score possible yep. and, and stop pushing him so far out. And just lastly, and I know we're pushing time. Um, do you think Ben White is the... I like Ben White a lot. And it's really hard to ask this question because I like Ben White a lot. He's not so great to speak to. Um, <laughs> but I like him as a footballer a lot. Um, but I think that when it comes to that partnership do you think Saka had do you think that's the right type of fullback for Saka as a right winger I think it I think it was last season but it mm. relies on Ben White making those overlapping runs and I don't know why and I think he's not doing it as much this season he was at one point he was actually one of the highest overlappers but he's he's, he's come off it so I think when when Ben White, and I've said this before, when if Ben White is playing at his absolute peak, mm. the job that he does, um, yeah, the, the the job that he does, I don't think if you wrote that down as a list, like be be the third centre back in the in the three, create those overlaps, be an option in the wide triangles, create um, be uh, an option to stop defending inside, uh, be able to roll around when when uh, uh, Gabriel steps forward and go in centrally. There's no right back in the world who can do that. But when he's not off his game, but when he's clearly something is up in terms of supporting mm -hmm. Saka, yeah, then you start to look at, you know, I'm not it's not him, but a profile like a, a, a Brook Norton coffee, that just complete up and down, up and down, up and down. You start mm -hmm. to go, I wonder. But yeah. for me, for me, I do think Saka's role needs to change anyway, so it might, it might, it might be a good thing long term. Yeah, for sure. I think and I, I like Ben White a lot, as I've said, and it's not a criticism a criticism of him. I think he is a centre half playing right back, um, mm. but a very mobile centre half, which I think. It, I, I'm really curious what eventually Jurian Timber does in this mm. team and what he turns out to be for us, whether it's on the right or the left. He's um, currently think, the best player in the world is what he is. <laughs> yes, we hope. Uh, we hope that that certainly turns out to be the case because it is exciting to see what happens with him if in turn, if he does indeed recover from this injury as good as he was before it, which is always going to be a big question. Um, Alex, it's been a genuine pleasure uh, to link pleasure, up with man. you today for a show and have a chat. Uh, thank you so much for doing so. Thank you, mate. Pleasure. And uh, yeah, love to do it again. Uh, please do shout out your channel and where people can find you and what you're going to be up to. The Different Knock. Uh, I've got a video coming out, depending on when my editor sends it to me. Uh, tonight, uh, all about Smith Rowe. Uh, I've got some more content coming out uh, the next couple. I'm probably going to do a video on our on our youth discussion and sort of try and put it all into one, one thing because I think it's an interesting discussion. Lovely stuff. Uh, you can follow Alex on Twitter at DiffKnock. Uh, so please make sure you go uh, and check him out over there. You've got a personal account, right, as well. Um, yes, at AM out. on Football, if you want to follow me on that. 
at a uh, is it Amon Amon football? Yeah, yeah. Am on football, but I'm also a my surname is Money Penny, so it works works either way. Right there, you go, lovely stuff. Um, but thank you uh, again, Alex, for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. Let me know in the chat box and of course in the comment section, people, if you've enjoyed it and if you've got any thoughts on the things that we've discussed. Uh, maybe you've disagreed uh, with some of the things that we've talked about. I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's always good to get that varied, uh, different kind of response. So don't shy away. Do leave your comments. And um, but thank you so much, guys, for everyone for listening. And I will see you again very soon tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow morning, bright and early at eight a.m. Have a fantastic day and. And see you soon. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your Mook delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.